Here at Taco Bell, the restless creativity that we cultivate not only keeps us moving toward being a better workplace for all employees, but also pushes us to be better for our fans and society. Over the last year, we've been working diligently to evolve and elevate our company culture by authentically embedding equity, inclusion, and belonging, which you may hear referred to as EIB, into every facet of our business. From hiring Katrina Thornton, our first ever Chief EIB Officer, to launching our new EIB strategy, we've been taking the necessary steps to help drive culture and systemic change in our company and our communities. But we're just getting started. Today, we are recording a live podcast at Taco Bell's EIB Immersion event, and I am joined by inspiring entrepreneur and creative Bima Williams, who is the host of Claima Stories, the number one career podcast on Apple that helps creatives of diverse backgrounds discover their dream careers. And it fits into EIB so perfectly because it's really about engaging all of you, restless creativity, to think and challenge and to engage in creating the future of Taco Bell. Uh, I believe that the best ideas can come from anywhere. And anyone that cares about our company and cares about the future should have an ownership stake in that. And that's what our internal incubator is all about. It's about what we do every day. And if you think about the innovations that we've seen in the past year, whether it's Defy or the relaunch of Mexican pizza, those were things that didn't exist before that do now because people are thinking about how do we move our company forward. And so I thank all of you for participating in that and hope that as we go forward, you can even become more involved. Today we have a really, really special guy uh, that's with us. His name is Bima Williams. And I asked him before, I mean, are you kind of like Tiger where you just go by one name, Bima? And he is, so we're, not, we're gonna, just gonna drop the Williams. I mean, he's that legendary uh, that he just goes by one name and it's Bima. So this is gonna draw a lot of people to the podcast, Bima, just so you know that. Let's start though, Bima. How did you get here? What have you done in your life? Because it's quite amazing. Yes, um, well, I'm originally from Louisiana, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, yes, go Tigers. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's quite a, uh, a rare thing to even think about being here, having this conversation. Um, where I come from, a lot of our dreams don't make it out of the city of Baton Rouge or even out of the state. And I grew up, as, as you shared, like I, I've always loved sneakers. I've always loved culture. I've always loved sports and entertainment. And for so long, those worlds didn't really visually intersect. Um, and though I saw it at a young age, I couldn't tell my mom or my dad that I was going to make a career out of that because you know, my parents grew up working in chemical plants. And to them, um, the best thing that I could do, the aspiration for me was to go to school and get a good job. I could not articulate to them what that job would be around sneakers and culture at that point in time. Uh, but I had this very strong willpower to, to do something that I was very passionate about. Um, and it took me to uh, Saucony. So the past you know, decade, I, I've worked as a brand marketer in sneakers and athletics. And so I worked at Saucony, social media. Um, I went on in 2017 to meet Mark at, at Yeezy where we grew the fastest growing footwear brand uh, in the world. I like um, to take credit for that myself. <laughs> I will give you some credit for that, but go ahead. Um, and, and, and so that's been you know, my career, but over time and in that experience, 
especially when I was at Saucony, I kind of got hit in the chest. When I was so young, I was, you know, I was very excited to, to have this career, but what I didn't know was what came with it. And so if you can imagine being a 25, 20-something, and you walk into this company that you've only known from the ads, you've only known it from social media, you don't know anyone that works there, you have no idea what it's like. And my first day, I realized I'm like, I'm the only black guy here. I'm the only black person in a 400-person organization. And the only brown person happens to be my colleague that now works with me named Pervy Patel. And it does something to you where you're in a place where either you're going to be so uncomfortable and you're just going to give up and go back home, or you're going to double down and you're going to push yourself to excel and exceed beyond any measure of hurdles that you might have in front of you. And I took a lot of that with me throughout my career. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, how do we actually adjust this? How do we start to change that? How do we bring more folks, whether that is internally into a corporation, but also the folks that we were working with? Because most of my career, I worked in, uh, quote unquote, the fun space where, where, where Tim works now. And it's that space of entertainment and culture that I told y'all that I was in love with that now makes sense. It's now a tangible thing. And I got to work with, you know, these great big names, got to work with Drake, got to work with Travis Scott, got to work with Yoon Ambush and, and Kanye West. Um, but out externally, I'm curious to think about like, how do we make that happen for the small business owners in our community? How do we diversify? How do we create creativity? And uh, with all the things that were happening in the world um, over the last couple of years, I was inspired to do that. And that's why we started Clayma. Uh, which is sort for claim a seat at the table. And we do a lot of storytelling around creators of color to share examples that I didn't have growing up and sharing the network that I now have with these insights. Every episode feels like a masterclass, honestly. <laughs> so talk a little bit when you, you, you have this podcast yep. and you talk to different creatives, mm -hmm. um, what are the things you talk about on there? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it we discuss... Um, a part of it is that experience, that shared experience um, that, that you have that led you on the path. And everyone has a different reason that sparked what really motivates and inspires what they do. But oftentimes what comes up is this conversation of um, sometimes exclusion, sometimes not feeling like they belonged in the place that they longed to be and that they actually wanted to then go and create that, which is kind of that similarity that, that we have. And so you have conversations where um, a lot of the folks you'll find is that they were in some sort of corporate environment and they had for so long tried to shapeshift to fit into these environments. So long they were trying to change their wording and their language and how they would speak so that they could assimilate and it was crippling them. It was giving them anxiety. It was giving them different trauma. They weren't able to show up and really be themselves because they had squeezed themselves down so much that they were no longer their true, powerful, unique selves. And in the podcast, in these conversations, we talked about how they went from those moments to refilling themselves with what they believe in and they're passionate about now. And it's this huge unlock for, you know, a lot of our audience is Gen Z. And what they've observed, you have to understand with Gen Z, they have observed our, all of our generations in like the last three years. They've been observing it and they're like, I don't want to experience 
much of what y'all have experienced. I don't want to experience what y'all have experienced over the last 60 years. I don't want to experience what y'all experienced over the last three years. So I might not even subscribe. That's the mindset that they're in right now. They've seen too much of it and they've seen that we haven't necessarily made as much progress as they think we should. Mm. So talk a little bit about what you learned from connecting to culture at Nike. What I appreciated most about what happened at Nike and what happens at Nike is identifying the purpose of why they exist, why do we exist, and, and, and what impact does that have on our community, our audience, right? And the thing about that, once you know that, once you know yourself, you can then start to share yourself with the world and be okay with whatever comes back with that. The objective is not to please every single individual. The objective is not to shape shift so you can mirror it. The objective is to be authentically who you are as an organization, which is what we've been talking about, um, and being okay with saying, this is how we're moving forward because this is how we like to see the world, right? I think Nike has done that in an incredible way. But I think it's a lesson for us here around what do we stand for, what do we value, and let's be that. Be that. Be that and be confident in it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're here today. This is Equity, Inclusion, Belonging, Immersion Summit. So talk about just when you hear that, Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean to you? It's funny. I think about um, there's this this movie I love. So you you know who Whoopi Goldberg is, right? Yes, (laughs) I do. Okay. So I I grew up loving this movie, uh, Sister Act 2. I don't. Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Okay. Okay. And uh, of course, I love seeing a young Lauren Hill, et cetera. But the, the moment that I, I, I when, you, when we talk about equity, inclusion, and belonging, I think about the moment where they're in this competition. They're this choir in this competition. And, you know, they have this really fancy, like, uh, choir that's got, like, the best uniforms, et cetera. And they have their uniform, but they're not as great. And, you know, they have a bunch of kids from different backgrounds, inner city. They're like, their personalities are insane. And they were wrapping these personalities into, you know, this, this outfit that wasn't them. And right before, you know, they've done all these rehearsals and everything. And right before they go on stage, Whoopi's like, take off the, take off the uniform. I want you to go as you are. I want you to be as comfortable as you can be. Because I know if you're comfortable you're going to deliver the best results. To me, that's what equity, inclusion, and belonging is. You know, for me, I did the opposite with my uniform, right? So if you saw me yesterday around the office, you saw me in this. Um, I thought maybe you only had one up. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I have seven to seven, by the way. Keeps dry cleaning very easy. Uh, My only problem is sneakers. Uh, My my wife and my mother still uh, have to talk to me about that. But um, for me, you know, I always get the comparisons with um, the the biggest example for a uniform is like Steve Jobs. And they're like, oh, you wear it for efficiency. I wear it for authenticity because what I shared about being in an environment and having to shapeshift and having to transform myself, that was me. I'm speaking about myself and invalidating my own authenticity. You know, this is the first time ever in in my career where I don't think about how I'm going to show up somewhere and wonder if I'm going to be comfortable. I have to make myself comfortable. Um, And then I have to hope that 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 environment is going to welcome me. But it's a reminder to me to, to show up as who I am every day regardless, because regardless of what I try, we all have our bias. 
right? We all have something um, that we have a preference against, and that's okay. I can't change that. Bima, where do you think that that courage or strength comes from? Uh, honestly, it's, it's easy to say. <laughs> no, right. Right. It takes but, time to get there. Right. Uh, honestly, it's being fatigued with trying to fit in because it took so much energy mm. to do that. And it doesn't, didn't necessarily mean that the results would be different. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas now, you can't, no one can argue with me after having a conversation with me that all black people are the same. You can't have that argument. You can't, KT and I aren't the same, right? Uh, you can't, you know, Sean and I aren't the same. All of these different people are different. And I said, if I was going to, one, now being the co-founder of my own company and, and, and working in creating stories that show the different nuances of creatives and folks and communities of color, I had to be a champion of that too. Doesn't mean I don't think about, you know, what opportunities I might miss because I didn't show up in a, in a button up and some cool loafers. I love loafers. But um, it meant that if I couldn't do it as the same person that sits here and goes, goes to see my mom in the same outfit, then I wasn't doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have a lot of time left, but this is the biggest question of the day, and this is serious. Why is this equity, inclusion, and belonging so important for us as a company? If you want it to continue to exist and continue to grow, you have to think about equity, inclusion, and belonging as a form of innovation. If you look at any company, any company, to me, it's about innovation. You have to think about this as how are we going to continue to be, have an advantage in the marketplace? The young consumer coming up is incredibly diverse. They are incredibly inclusive. They're open, right? They are welcoming to others. If we do not reflect that internally, how do we expect to have a conversation with them to say, hey, we're the, we're the brand for you. Come hang out with us. There will be no Live Moss if there's no innovation in equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, but Mark, for you, I want to ask you, as you think about this conversation that we've been having, you think about your background, where you've come from, how do you view it? Why is it meaningful to you? What do you think about it in the sense of the organization and where you want to go? Well, I touched on a little bit when, when, when I opened. I worked in an industry for 34 years and everybody looked the same. The majority of, of, of people that worked in the golf industry were white males. They played golf as kids. They graduated from college if they went to college and they took some job, an engineer, a sales rep, a marketing person, and the industry was just, it all looked the same. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know any different. And then when I went to Adidas, it was certainly more diverse and the consumer was more diverse and the consumer was younger and we would get in the gym and we'd have those 1500 people and we had a lot of nationalities there, people from around the world. For me, it was an epiphany. Uh, and a, a guy that I work with said, because I, I, I love this, this term hedgehog, <laughs> right? Just be focused on what matters most. He goes, yep. I really would like to see you be an enlightened hedgehog. <laughs> so <laughs> I became an enlightened hedgehog. Uh, that's not shape, by the way. That's how you think. <laughs> 
Anyway, I, I, it, that was when my, my world changed on how I looked at society and people and what's important to so many people that I never even knew it was, it was there. It's so, because you were immersed in that environment then, right? You had firsthand experience with it. And, it's, and sometimes I think I can, I can understand both sides of it, right? It's like, hey, this is really comfortable. Why do I want to go make myself uncomfortable? Yeah. Right. Why do I want to put myself in that? But then you have to think bigger than you. Right. You have to think about your family. You have to think about your community. You got to think about the world. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's important to, to grow. If you're not experiencing the things, how can you grow? KT, to me, that the word that she she used around evolution, if you're about evolving as a human, whether it's at work as a dad, as a husband, as a partner, whatever it is, if you're not interested in evolution, you're going to be in trouble in today's world. 100%. Yeah, because evolution today doesn't take years. It takes <laughs> moments, right? It takes moments. I mean, it's those little moments that we, we feel and we see in real time, right? They're, yeah. they're shaping right now. This is a moment yeah. that's real time. Yeah. Yeah. We actually are having conversations about diversity, about racial injustice, about equity, about belonging. We're actually having conversations that, frankly, we were not having, right? We were not coming to a table to have these conversations about, and it doesn't have to always be so um, so serious, like something happened yeah. in the world to, right. to, to make us have these conversations. But now we're, we're having transparent conversations about the experience and, and what's been happening. At least that's what I've, I've experienced that has shifted. Um, I think the other big thing that has shifted is this financial commitment to change, mm. which is necessary. We can talk all day long about change and we can have um, all of the intent in the world. But if you don't have, as, as KT showed, a systemic roadmap, which is rooted in a financial commitment, right? There are finances behind that. KT got budget. Um, there are finances behind that. I think in the world, you got a $50 billion commitment to racial um, racial equity from brands all over the world. That is a significant shift that was not something that was even thought about before. Corporations didn't think that it was their responsibility to help with this. They saw themselves isolated from it. And what started to happen is you have more of your internal organizations that are very vocal about, if I'm gonna be here, we need to have this change. And so you're seeing a lot of that happening. Um, and I think also um, it's not going away, yeah. right? I think that, and that's an important thing, but I think the thing we have to be careful about and the thing we have to also acknowledge is that just like anything, there can be a natural fatigue. Mm. But with that fatigue, we have to understand how to re-energize ourselves to make sure that, yeah, it's just like work, right? Like if you're working, you're working a lot, you, Mark, you might want to go hit the golf course. You know what I'm saying? You, you might want to, you know, go release some stress, but you're going to come back and get back in it. It's not something that's going to be solved in the next year, next two years, three years, four years. This is an ongoing evolution. Yeah. Let's talk about the workplace a little bit. Um, it's changed dramatically. It's changed <laughs> really in the last two years, not just because of COVID, but because of these conversations. Oh, yeah. And Gen Z is now in the workforce and millennials are now old people. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean... Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, the world is just like changed overnight, right? Um, yeah, but, but I mean, seriously, it's like, well, anyways, we're old. Uh, just, <laughs> we're out. We're not on anyone's marketing decks anymore. <laughs> well, I'm dead, okay? So, I mean, I don't even exist anymore. Um, 
Talk about the workplace today and what do you think is really important for creating the right environment for the workplace? I think one of the first things that is sometimes maybe it gets overlooked is having representation in the workplace. And so I I can't tell you how many times that I was in a space and I never saw someone that looked like me in a leadership role and what that meant to me mentally and emotionally. Because while theoretically I believed I could do it, could I actually accomplish it became the other thing because I didn't see anyone else there. So essentially I was like, I guess this is not possible at this actual organization. And so it makes you start to think about, is this a place where I could grow? You know, when I, not the, not to put Sean on the spot, but you know, Sean is, you know, chief brand officer for Taco Bell. He looks like me. That is your hair is cooler. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes it, it makes it, it makes it believable. It makes yeah. it real. It makes it tangible. And so I think representation is super important. I think it's also how you how you make folks feel comfortable, right? I, I, I walked in and I was grabbing fruit outside and Zach, can't remember Zach, Zach's last name, but he, he came up. He's and, a one name man. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we chatted and I felt, you know, I felt welcomed. I, I, felt, I felt comfortable. It, you have to be human. Like you can't just, you know, I, I'm a runner and I, I, I run just about every morning and um, it probably has a lot to do with being from the South. This is probably a preference and a bias. And I hate running by someone who doesn't even nod at you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm suffering out here too. You can at least say what's up. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just little, it's just human stuff. It doesn't have to be this big, difficult, overthought, Oh, oh my goodness thing. No one's going to be perfect. It's just simply like, Mark, nice shoes and we keep it moving, you know? Yeah. So is there one or two things that we can take away today that we should be implementing or Mm -hmm. actions, specific actions to help the evolution? Uh, I think one of the biggest actions is listening, right? Um, Especially listening to the new folks, you got 30 new folks that just came into the organization. You need to spend time listening, not only to their perspectives and you think about diversity of where they've come from, but also diversity in their background and approach, et cetera, and, and, and what they care about in the world. I think if you can listen, spend more time listening, right? There's so much we do from listening more, more, than, more than speaking. I think the other thing is to find your own ownership in this process. Find your reason why, right? We talked about the words that were on the screen. Why are you here to do this? Why did you show up here today? Why are you paying attention to this conversation? Figure out that why and, and stick to that and champion, you know, your, your, your colleagues, right? You know, have those conversations. Don't, and, and also don't, don't go about it trying to be perfect and don't, don't put yourself in a space where you're so concerned about saying the wrong thing that you're going to be bucketed. It is okay. And I guarantee you, you're going to have colleagues here that are like, hey, this is, this is the way that we should go about this. I'm not going to belittle you or berate you because you said it this way. I know your intent must be different and we can work through that. But we're not going to, you don't want to create a, a culture where everybody thinks they have to say these things perfectly and they have to get it right. You need to make a lot of mistakes. That's the only true way to learn. Yeah, and, and Bima, we were talking before we started just about the vocabulary in society has changed Changed. so much. And 
depending on how old you are or where you hang out, you may not even know the proper vocabulary. You might not. And that's and that that part's okay because you can be educated, you can be informed, and then if you know better, you do better. Right. Get ready uh, to ask Bema some questions. I have one more question. Um, and this is probably your favorite topic, and that is around creativity. Yep. And just talk about, and you can relate it to EIB. It, it can go further than that. But I just, I think it's really important that organizations understand the role of creativity in everything they do. Right. I, you know, it can't be understated. Creativity is, is at the foundation of any sort of innovation, any sort of culture, um, anything that's groundbreaking in the world, honestly, because it is when we allow ourselves to um, champion any sort of idea and any sort of brainstorm and, and creativity that shifts happen in society. Uh, and so one of the, the things that, you know, thinking about footwear, for example, um, creativity um, around the Yeezy brand. Um, there was the, the 350 um, that was the shoe that was kind of weird. It was kind of a take on another shoe. And, you know, people were like, no one's ever going to wear this shoe. It doesn't look like anything we've seen. No one else is doing it. All right. No That's Adidas usually, markings on no, it. No markings on it. This is not going to work. It's not going to do anything for our business. And it became one of the only shoes that anyone wanted. And that came from being able to be playful. And I think we have to think about creativity as being youthful, right? It doesn't always have to, you don't have to think about, numbers are important. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you not to think about numbers. You do have to think about numbers, but there's also a space of it where you do have to have a, a white box where you're playing around with ideas before you can commercialize them. And so I would just encourage playfulness. I think you have to be, playful and spend time playing the importance of playing in order to get to innovation. It just, it, it doesn't happen. Um, but Mark, for, for you, what do you think about, like when you think about creativity and you also think about um, where you want this organization to be like. So I, I think about it and I'm glad you said this youthful or playful because I just, everyone in this room, my guess is when they were 10 12, 15, they had some dream. Yeah. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a football player. I want to be a doctor. I want to be something. Mm -hmm. And to me, the reason creativity stalls is because as life beats you down, <laughs> you no longer have dreams. Mm -hmm. Now you're surviving or your dream is, hey, we're going to Hawaii in three months, you know, buy a new swimsuit or it's something. Small. That's your dream, it gets right? Small. It gets small. <laughs> And I and this playful thing or dreaming or, you know, being curious about what else is out there, that to me ignites creativity. Mm -hmm. But without that dream or aspiration or fantasy, uh, I, I think you don't have creativity. No. And I, that's why for me, when I'm up here, I try to have fun and make light of things. I'm a very serious guy. You may not think that, but I'm actually a very serious guy. But I think being playful or having people just think about fun things, great things happen from that. And yeah. I, that's what I believe in. And I, I, I have to tell you, I'm not, you know, blowing smoke, but like that's one of the things that I appreciate about you is like even in like really hard 
or, or difficult conversations, you do find the light in it, right? Because it makes it easier to approach, at least for me, I mean, I'd be everyone's approach, but it makes it easier to approach knowing that, hey, well, I got someone that, you know, even in the thick of things can still, yeah. you know, maintain a, a sense of humor. Yeah.